0: Mark chapter 16 this evening, Mark chapter number 16. That first Easter morning was an early morning. What little grass they would have had in that arid climate would have been moist with the morning's dew. The cool air of that early spring breezed through the blossoming branches of those nearby trees. The sun was just creeping slowly over the mountains before spilling its light over those rolling desert hills of Palestine. That bright morning star it could still be seen, that northern sky symbol, as it had loomed and offering perhaps a brighter tomorrow, something in store, But just this band, small band of women that were making their way to the tomb of Jesus, there really wasn't much hope among the people, at least the people of God. Their spirits had been crushed by those very same nails that had pierced the hands and feet of Jesus. The people of God seemed to be discouraged, disheartened, and they were defeated. Would you stand with me, please, as we read Mark chapter 16. We'll look at the first four verses. Mark 16 and verse number 1, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him, that is, Jesus. Jesus. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, which would have been this morning, Sunday morning, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. These ladies wanted, more than anything else, just to see the body of Jesus one last time. They wanted to honor His body by anointing with spices and perfumes, which would have been the first century equivalent of laying flowers by His graveside. But as they walked along this lonely path to the tomb, it dawned on them. The Bible says that they asked each other, who's going to roll the stone away? We're not going to be able to get into the entrance unless the stone was rolled away. And two of these women, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, had seen where the body of Jesus had been placed, and they knew that a huge stone had been placed and rolled across the entrance of the tomb. So to approach the gravesite, they remembered that the stone was there, and they realized They couldn't move it on their own. In fact, several women working at it would not have been able to move it because of the several hundred pound stone and the rut in the ground in which it was placed. And as far as they were concerned, it was an insurmountable obstacle. But most of us know what that is like, don't we? Having some kind of an insurmountable obstacle Blocking that entrance to a miracle. We all have our own huge obstacles to happiness, obstacles to joy, obstacles in our marriages, obstacles in our families, and in our jobs. We know the size, we know its shape and its circumference. Our stones don't cover an entrance to a tomb in Jerusalem, but instead ours perhaps blocks unemployment, to employment, abandonment, to relationships, abuse, or addiction, to freedom. We face the insurmountable obstacles of debt, divorce, drunkenness, and depression. This evening, I want to preach a thought here, and that is God rolled away His stone so that He can roll away all of yours. Thank you. Please be seated. People have bills they can't pay, grades they can't make, people they can't please, pornography they can't resist, a past they can't shake, and a future they cannot face. And the truth is that in and of ourselves... None of us are strong enough to roll away our own stones. Come at it from any angle you choose. Use whatever tools you wish. You can't budge it. You can't get over it. You can't go around it. You can't move it an inch. But Jesus can. Jesus can do for us what he did for Mary and for Peter and James and John. Their lives were forever changed because he rolled away the stone. That stone represented the fears and failures of Jesus' closest friends. His resurrection personally and powerfully impacted the lives of those who knew him and loved him. It rolled away the stones that hindered their faith and their future. Other than the stone that was blocking the entrance to his tomb, Jesus moved some other stones that Easter morning. God rolled away his stone so that he could roll away yours. I want to mention five stones that the resurrection has made possible in moving away from our life. Number one, the stone of discouragement. The stone of discouragement. Let's go back to Mary and those other women at Jesus' tomb. And to say that these women were discouraged, that would have been an understatement. In fact, they were devastated. They were heartbroken. Remember, they believed in Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus and all their hopes and their dreams rested in a man they believed was God in human flesh. But then he died. The ground beneath that old rugged cross was then drenched in red because of the blood of God that was shed. And they weren't the only ones feeling discouraged either. All of Jesus' followers were disappointed and disillusioned. The two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus spoke for all of them when they said, we had hoped that he was the one. Anytime you start talking about hope in the past tense, you have a problem. A soul without hope is like a body without food. Can you identify with these disciples? Have you ever had your hopes crushed right in front of you? We've all had hopes and dreams. The hope that we might have the perfect career. The hope that we might have the perfect marriage. Or the hope that the marriage we have might be rekindled some of us hope desperately that we will have a child while others hope that their adult children might finally turn their lives around we hope to get out of debt we hope to escape our stress we hope to be healed of some disease or disability or we hope that we won't have to take medication for the rest of our lives when those dreams go unfulfilled our hopes are shattered it's discouraging, sometimes devastating. But when Mary and the others saw their risen Savior, it changed everything. Amen. The Bible says in John 20 and verse 20 that then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Seeing Jesus made all the difference. In that moment, they went from hopelessness and depression to joyful thrilling, overflowing exuberance. See, when we put our faith in Jesus, we'll never experience the lack of hope. Remember, hope in the Bible refers to a confident expectation. And the reason we can be confident and expecting is because of who He is, but also because of what He says. He's God. He demonstrated his godness when he came out of that tomb alive. And because of what he said, every promise in the Bible is still intact. He's never failed. He's never lied. And he's never given us reason to doubt. Psalm 22 and verse number five, they cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. See, apart from Christ, life is full of disappointments. And discouragements. But Jesus gives us hope. The trick is that we put our confidence in the right source. You put your faith in your faith, you're going to get discouraged. You put your faith in man, you're going to get discouraged. But you put your faith in God, you're going to find hope. When we hang our hopes on the things of this world, we're building castles in the sand. What is it in this life that you're investing in that you're going to be able to take with you? What is it? You don't ever see a a U-Haul hooked on to a a funeral procession following the the casket to the cemetery. No, you, you, you don't take anything with you. Whatever you have, whatever gives you status here, it stays when you leave. But when our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, we're standing on solid ground and we will never be disappointed in Jesus. I can let you down. The church can fail you. But Jesus in his word will never fail. Jesus rolls away the stone of discouragement. But there's a second stone that he can roll away and he is able to roll away because he came out of that grave alive. Not only the stone of discouragement, but number two, the stone of dread. Turn over, if you would, to John chapter 20. John chapter number 20. We find the disciples here in the upper room. This would have been Sunday evening. In verse number 19. Then the same day, it's the same day as the resurrection of Jesus, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Do you remember what happened to all those disciples when Jesus was arrested? They all ran away. They abandoned Jesus in the time of need. One of the the 12 disciples, these hand-picked disciples, only one of them followed Jesus, had the courage to follow him to the cross. And of course, after Jesus was crucified, they were even more terrified. They were certain that they were next. That's what they... We're literally fearing. In fact, the Bible says that this Sunday evening of the resurrection, they're hiding behind locked doors. Confused, fearful. These disciples stayed close together. They're hiding from the authorities. They're huddled behind locked doors. Jesus had told them what they were to do. He told them to meet him in Galilee, but they wouldn't go. They're paralyzed by fear. Fear does some strange things to us, doesn't it? Fear closes the windows and it locks the doors. Fear is a prison of our own making and it keeps us from accomplishing what God wants us to do. Many of us have fear of rejection that keeps us from telling others the good news that God loves them. Jesus died for them and will save their soul. Some have fear of intimacy that prevents marriages from being meaningful and having deep relationship. Many have fear of failure that keeps us from trying anything new. As the disciples cowered behind these locked doors, Jesus appeared. He shows up. And Jesus stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Their fear was transformed into faith. The next thing you know, these same fearful followers, they're out in the city streets and they're in the synagogues and they're boldly proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. What made the difference? Were they any less certain of the end of their lives? No, they. in fact, they all died a martyr's death. But what made the difference going from hiding and cowering in fear to proclaiming the good news? And the Bible says in Acts, these men turned the known world upside down. I'll tell you what made the difference. When Jesus showed up in the midst of them and said, peace be unto you. So you can't have peace and fear at the same time. I tell you what made the difference is when Jesus said to them in Matthew 28 and verse 19, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. I tell you what makes the difference centuries earlier is when God said to Joshua, Be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Amen whatever challenges you meet, whatever obstacles you face, you don't have to be afraid. If you are saved, you are His and He is yours. That means you are never alone. You don't have to be afraid of cancer, Alzheimer's, a car crash, a failing economy, a floundering 401K, the betrayal of a spouse, parenting failures, crime, disaster. Come what may, Jesus is a risen Lord. He's alive today. He's by your side. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. In the words of the hymnist E.A. Hoffman, What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. First of all, because Jesus' stone was rolled away himself, he's able to roll away your stone of discouragement, your stone of dread, but also a third stone he can roll away, and that is your stone of doubt. In John chapter 20, Notice in verse 24, just over a chapter, um, over a few verses rather, in verse number 24, it says, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Verse 25, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know, Thomas missed this first appearance of Christ. While the others were meeting behind locked doors, Thomas was off on his own. Not not really sure why Thomas was not there, but he sure has been criticized and chastised for it for the last 2,000 years. Doubting Thomas is what we call him. Thomas was a skeptic. He wouldn't believe it until he saw the evidence. Now, Thomas has taken a lot of criticism for his doubt, but he certainly is not the only person to ever doubt the veracity of the Christian faith. Maybe you in here tonight, there's someone who also may have doubts of your own about Christianity and Christ and his claims. I say it's all right to doubt as long as you're willing to follow the evidence and where it will lead. Thomas in John 20 reminds me of a man named Lee Strobel. Lee was an investigative editor of the Chicago Tribune and a confirmed atheist. That is until his wife became a Christian. As her faith grew, he saw so many changes taking place in her life, and he was afraid he was losing her. So this confirmed atheist set out on a mission to do what he had been doing, and that is investigate. But now he's going to investigate Jesus Christ. His goal at first was to prove to his wife that Jesus was not the Son of God. But things didn't go exactly as he planned. He used his resources at the Tribune to contact scholars and historians from around the globe investigating the reliability of the Jesus. Um, uh, claims and his biographies and, and the extra-biblical attestations for the life and work of Jesus. and But everything to him, he kept coming back, everything that he explored and he delved into, everything came back to the resurrection. If Jesus really died and came back three days later, then he concluded that that validated everything that Jesus said. And it proved that he is who he claimed to be. The evidence was irresistible. After nearly two years of investigation, Lee sat down at his desk with his legal pad, and he drew a line down the middle. On the one side, he wrote all the evidence against Jesus being the Son of God. And on the other, all the evidence for it. Overwhelmed by his own discoveries, he gave his heart right then and there to Jesus, the risen Lord and Savior. I want to tell you, that's exactly what Thomas did. Upon seeing the evidence seeing Jesus with his own eyes. Look at verse number 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. The the resurrection of Jesus, it moves the stone of doubt. There's a fourth stone. Notice in... We're in John. Go over to chapter 13. We're going to go to chapter 13, then we're going to come back to chapter 20. Notice in the end of chapter 13 in verse 36. Simon Peter said unto him lord whither goest thou jesus answered him whither i go thou canst not follow me now but thou shalt shalt follow me afterwards peter said unto him lord why cannot i follow thee now i will lay down my life for thy sake. I want to tell you the fourth stone that Jesus is able to move. It's the stone of defeat. Defeat. We all know what that is. We all know what it is to fail. Many of us know the heartache of a failed attempt at serving God, a failed attempt at a career, perhaps a failed attempt at marriage, or you failed as a father or a mother, or as a child to feel that you failed your parents. Peter also knew what it was to fail. He was a simple, yet he was a passionate follower of Jesus. On the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter, he was all in. In verse number 37, we just read where Peter said, I will lay down my life for thy sake. He was an all or nothing kind of guy. But by sunrise the next morning, he blew it. In fact, Jesus prophesied that In verse number 38, the very next verse after Peter said, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I am all in. If there's anybody you can count on, Peter said, you can count on me. And just within hours, Peter said, I don't know who Jesus is. He said, I don't belong to Jesus. And then he went as far to say, say, I am not one of his. He failed Jesus when it counted the most. And when Jesus was crucified, Peter's failure hung over his head like a dark cloud. He was ready to quit. And even after Jesus came back from the dead, Peter still felt like a failure. Rather than head toward Galilee like he was told to do, and like he was supposed to, Peter instead, he went back to his old life. John chapter 20, let's turn back over there in verse number three. Let's shorten it here. Let's go to... Um, Chapter 21, rather. I said 20, chapter 21, verse number 3. After the resurrection, Simon Peter saith unto him, and this is because of his failure, I go a fishing. When you allow failure to overtake you, It doesn't just affect you, it affects others. It says in verse 3, They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus saith unto them bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes and a hundred and fifty and three and for all there were so many yet was not the net broken. And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. After Peter's denial and after his failure, he was ready to return to his old life. He was ready to stop following Jesus. Remember, he's an all-in kind of person. It's hard for him to dabble. Peter and the others are out there fishing on the Sea of Galilee. That's what they were comfortable doing. They fished all night and And guess what they found? Exactly what the old life of sin will bring you. They found nothing. Nothing. No success. All they came up with was more emptiness. But then suddenly Jesus shows up. He tells them where to cast the nets. And then he sat down with them on the beach to share a hot breakfast that he prepared for them failures, and yet he's still caring for them. During that meal, Jesus asked Peter three times, lovest thou me? Do you love me, Peter? Let me ask you, did Jesus know the answer to that question? But he's trying to do something in Peter's life. He knows the answer, but he needs Peter to know the answer so that jesus could do something with that stone that stone that he's been experiencing that stone of defeat jesus could roll away the stone but not until peter got honest not until peter became clear and gets clean and so three times he says to to peter well notice it in verse number 15 So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto them, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And then he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee, carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, yes, yes. But notice one more thing that Jesus says. Verse 19, this spake he signifying. By what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, say the two words with me, follow me. That's what Peter heard at the very introduction to Jesus. Peter, follow me. And after Peter's great denial and failure, he gets honest before God and Jesus says to him, Peter, follow me. Peter gets a second chance and later he becomes the preacher of Pentecost where 3,000 souls were saved what he thought was a tremendous catch in Luke chapter 5 when he at the word of Jesus let down the nets and here in John 21 when he listened to Jesus and cast the net on the other side in 153 fish and they had to drag in the nets but it was nothing compared to what would take place in Acts chapter 2 when 3000 souls would be saved because Jesus his power can roll away any stone of defeat. If you, like Peter, have failed, you've been defeated... He offers to you another chance because He came out of that tomb alive on that Sunday morning. No matter how great your mistake, no matter how stupid you think you were, it doesn't matter because He wants to give you another chance. He's the Lord of the second chance. He never counts anyone out. He rolls away the stone of defeat and He gives us another opportunity at life. Years ago in a Nike commercial, A voice came over the television saying, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and I've missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life and that is why I succeed. Those were the words spoken by the great Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time. Listen, just because we've been defeated in the past doesn't mean you have to surrender today. Jesus rolls away the stone of defeat. Let me give you one more. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. You want to turn there, 1 Corinthians 15. One more stone because Jesus came out of life, he was able to have his stone removed so that he can roll away your stone. And number five, it's the stone of death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse number 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying in this great chapter that because you were born into this world, you and I, we will all die. But if you and I, by decision of faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross, if we will get in Christ, We will all be made alive. Since the Garden of Eden, death has been the archenemy of humanity. And listen, death always wins. The odds that you will eventually die in a car crash are 1 in 125. The chance of you dying in a fire is 1 out of 4 million. But the odds of you dying is 1 out of 1. Death is inescapable. It comes to every living thing. For thousands of years, death has stalked its prey with exacting precision and has been 100% successful until Jesus. Jesus conquered death through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And he offers to do the same for you And for me. See, because we were born in Adam, we have the same genes as the first sinners, we have inherited the sin nature. But once you and I accept Jesus Christ, He identifies us in Him, and we can have His life. All throughout Jesus' ministry, He promised one thing no one else could offer. Life, eternal life, abundant life. Adam's sin allowed death to claim every human. Christ's death and resurrection, it nullifies that. Adam gave us all death. Jesus offers us all life. You don't have to do anything to partake in Adam's death. You do have to make a decision about accepting God's offer of life. At conception, we receive as part of our human inheritance the gift of death. Death is no respecter of persons. Every year, the news will put out all the rich and famous that will die. No one's exempt from it. Doesn't matter how much money, doesn't matter what you have going on. doesn't matter what plans you may be involved in. Death doesn't say, "I'll check back on you later." Hebrews chapter nine: "It's appointed unto man wants to die, after this, the judgment. Our eternal destiny is not a matter of better or worse. It's nothing less than a matter of life and death. The choice is between life and death. You make the choice. Have you ever wondered why God rolled the stone away from Jesus' tomb? Have you ever wondered why he rolled it away? In Jesus' resurrected body, he came to life. He could materialize behind locked doors. Surely he could have left the tomb without moving the stone. In the upper room where the disciples were in John 20, that resurrection night, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Jesus showed up without having to unlock a door. Why was the stone rolled away by God from Jesus' tomb? The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. The stone was rolled away to let us in. The stone was rolled away so that you would see and be convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead and he is alive forevermore. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to not only save your soul, but change your life. Jesus still moves stones today. Whatever challenge you face, whatever boulders block your path, whether it's discouragement or doubt or depression or divorce or debt or drunkenness or fear or failure, betrayal, rejection, or even death, just know that Jesus still moves stones. And he stands ready to move yours if you'll just surrender to him. Would you stand with me, please?